Kingdom Builders is the way in which we show compassion to the world. We show the love of Jesus to those around us. We support over 83 missionaries through Kingdom Builders. We partner with some of the best ministries around the globe and we're involved in a number of different projects. Our goal is to, by next year, give a million dollars to missions. That's a pretty big goal. But I have another one that's even bigger, and I want you to be praying about it. And that is that one day, Newbreak would send 200 people full-time to the mission field. So you're going to hear from your campus pastor in just a second. We're glad you're with us this weekend. We hope that you're challenged. We hope you get vision inside of you. But that together, we will literally build the kingdom of God. Well, hi, now I can say good morning. How is everyone? Excellent. So as Tony said, I'm Amy Elliott. I feel like I have not been here in forever. I'm a therapist. I'm part of the sermon writing team. And so I travel around to the different campuses when the pastors are out. And Steve has just been around too much. And so I've been at the other campuses. So it's good to be here on Kingdom Builders morning. I was thinking about the sermon and thinking about Kingdom Builders and since I'm the one up here and not my husband, I can confess to you that he has a problem. Uh, he would say he doesn't, but he does. He has an Amazon problem. And Does anyone else? Amazon Prime? Right? One click? Yes, please. Right, and then it comes. And so anyway, he has a book problem, though. So new books are always coming to our house. We have a lot of books. Um, and so as I was thinking about this sermon, uh, I came across this book that magically appeared on our doorstep. Um, which is double blessing for those. We made a slide so you can actually see it. Um, Mark Batterson, who is a pastor on the East Coast and a good friend of Newbreak. And I was reading the back of this book, and I want to read it to you. It says, Mark Batterson, his discovery started with a simple experiment. Whenever Batterson received a blessing, he would give a similar blessing away. If someone paid him a compliment or gave him a gift or went out of their way to help him, he would return the favor by doing something similar for someone else. We flip the blessing by blessing others in the way God has blessed us. That's how a blessing becomes a double blessing. It turns into a game, one we can't win because God will always outgive us. It's an ancient truth. How amazing is that? So this idea is that anytime anyone blessed him in any way, he would similarly bless. So if you gave me a compliment, I would bless somebody else with a compliment. If you bought me a coffee, I might buy somebody else a coffee or something else. And he just tried to constantly flip and double that blessing with this idea that we are so inherently blessed that even if no one, even if no person were to bless me, God is already blessing me, which allows me to in turn bless others. It starts with this unconditional love of God. That's the beginning of how we bless others and change the world. Pastor Steve said it to you guys last week. There is no way you can go outside of the love of God. He loves you so much. You cannot earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't do anything to make it bigger. You can't do anything to make it less. That is his love for you. And it's that love, that blessing, that enables us to change the world around us. His love is a verb. It demands a response from us. It demands that we do something with it. We're not allowed to keep it to ourselves. We're changed, and therefore we're called to change the world and those in it. That's the whole idea of kingdom builders. 
is that we are, have you ever heard that sentence, we are blessed to be a blessing? Right, that's the idea of what we're talking about this morning. So we're going to be in Mark to start us off. So if you're in your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those first three are called the synoptic gospels. Why? They're a synopsis of the life of Jesus. So Mark is the second one that appears, but probably the first of the gospels that was written. And so we find ourselves in Mark 12, and Jesus is at the temple courts. And he is teaching, and dialogue happens, and arguments happen here. And so there's probably some sacrifices and offerings, all this going on around him. And he's teaching, and he says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now this is known as the Shema, and it appears in Deuteronomy. And so every pious Jew that was in that area listening to Jesus would have recognized this. They would have said it in the morning, they say it in the evening, even now in synagogue services. Every service begins with a reading of the Shema. So Jesus is saying, like, I know, I know the word. I know what you guys have based your life on. And he continues, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. So we have to understand how countercultural this sentence is, because this is a, a leader in the synagogue. This is uh, someone who has probably based his entire life upon the law. You get up in the morning, you do it in this order. If you mess up the order, you start over. If you sin, this sin requires this sacrifice, this sin requires this offering. And so by saying, hey, this love thing, it's more important than sacrifices and offerings, this would be hugely counter to everything this man's whole life has been about. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Jesus lays it out plainly. First commandment, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. It's this relationship. It's a vertical relationship. And then we love others the way that we have been loved. That's the horizontal relationship. If we are not in good relationship here, we are never going to be in good relationship here. Think about it. When your relationship with God doesn't feel good, how do you act? Right? Think about with your kids, with your spouse, with your friends, at work. You're critical. You're grumbly. For me, I'm slow to apologize. I think I'm right. Right? Am I the only one? Other people? Right? You, we do this, but when we are in right relationship with God, we're just like whole different people. We love in a whole different way. It, when we have the love of God flowing in and through us, when we've got this relationship right, we're able to be generous emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially. We are able to show up and give to others. Our love for God is revealed in this. 
How we see others is determined by how we think God views us. Right? If I know that I'm the creation of God, that he delights in me, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, if I believe that, then I believe that about you too. And I believe that about you as well. And if that is true, then I best be treating you in a way that reflects that. Because if I'm treating you any different than that, then I am not honoring God's creation. And we have to take that seriously. We've been in the book of Malachi for this whole series, which doesn't seem like a fun book, but it has a lot to say. It can, be, it can come across as harsh, but the context is really important. So the Israelites were in exile, and they come out of exile back to their land. And their land is a lot smaller than they thought it should be. Their land doesn't look like they thought it should look. Have we ever been in that position? Our land doesn't look like we thought it should look. Our house, our marriage, our job, our kids, our friendships, they're just a lot smaller than we thought they should be. So they come back and they see this and they've been promised that they are the chosen people of God, that God is coming to vanquish their oppressors and they will conquer and they will rule. And they're not. They're coming back to their little place and it all looks the same. And so they are disappointed. And they're hopeless. And I think all of us can identify with that feeling. What in the world? This is not what I thought it would be like. And so that's the space they're in. And so God starts the book of Malachi by saying, I love you guys. And the Israelites say, really? Because it's not so clear. And so the whole book of Malachi is a series of arguments back and forth about this. And the reason it sounds harsh is because it's a very strong God saying to his willful children, I love you, now come back. If anyone's a parent in here, you know what we're always talking, right? I love you, now get back over here. <laughs> you willful, disobedient kids, get back over here because I want you to be with me. And so uh, verse 5 says, So I will come and put you on trial. This is the Lord speaking. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. What God is saying is, he is going to stand up against all those who take advantage of others. He will defend the defenseless. Listen to this list. These are the people who are taking advantage of God's children. Sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, those who defraud laborers of their wages, oppress the widows and the fatherless. And he's going to defend the workers, the widows, the homeless, the foreigners among you. In Psalm, it's written this way, Defend the weak and fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and needy. And deliver them from the hand of the wicked. When my husband and I were first married, we um, went on a missions trip. It was a, a friend of ours started a medical mission in Bolivia. And so we went on this missions trip. And, you know, you read these scriptures and you're like, Oh, the poor, the oppressed, the weak, the needy. So we flew into La Paz, Bolivia, and it's a beautiful country. Has anyone ever been to Bolivia? Go. It's beautiful. High elevation. Watch out for that. Uh, but beautiful. And so the land is beautiful. The people have these beautiful clothes on. Uh, and we were there to work with kids who were living on the street. 
And so, you know, upon first glance, you're like, oh, this is such a lovely, lovely area. And then you kind of get into the alleys and into the back pathways. And there's this whole subsystem of kids who are living on the street. And things are so bad that almost all of them, they have a cloth in their hands that they douse with uh, inhalant of some sort, like paint thinner or glue, and they huff all day long to numb out so that they don't feel their pain. They don't, there's no dad, there's no mom coming for them, there's no social services coming to rescue them, so they huff all day. And we would go, and it was like cardboard home structures, tarps hanging, you'd pick it back, and there were just piles of toddlers and babies and kids and clothes and shoes and dogs and fecal matter. And it was this whole different level of need and of poverty. And it was the defenseless. And I thought, oh my gosh, God loves these children and they are forgotten by the world. And it was in that moment that it became so important to me that I never forget how many people find themselves in that position and how incumbent it is upon us, the church of God, to do something about it. That we are called to defend the defenseless with God because we are his people on earth. And so with Kingdom Builders this morning, we're gonna, there's actually quite a bit of video that we're going to be watching um, about the different ways that we're involved as a church around the world. And so this first one is the Daughter Project, and it's uh, Jennifer Jensen in Nepal, working with uh, girls who have been sex trafficked and exploited. So let's listen to her. Hi, I'm Jennifer Jensen from Global Family and the Daughter Project, and I am talking to you today from our brand new international ministry and training center here in Falkirk, Scotland. Um, we invite you to, to someday to come visit us here. Um, but today I'm talking to you about the family home that you support in Kathmandu, Nepal. Um, if you don't realize already, um, you have been a part of this effort from day one. Um, because early on in the work that we're doing in Nepal, um, we established a shelter. A shelter for young victims of human trafficking and systematic abuse and exploitation. Um, and through that shelter we have seen um, hundreds of children come through, most of which um, need short-term care, they need, um, they need help with mental health, with um, physical abuse that they've encountered, separation, all of the things that would go into providing that temporary care. Um, and happily, most of those children are able to be restored back home with their families in the different parts of Nepal from which they come. Um, but there is a percentage of those children who are not able to go home. And that's where the project that you have started and that you have funded comes from, and that is a family home. So we have created just that, a family with a caregiver couple who takes these children in to create a family setting. It is not a children's home, it's not an orphanage, um, or look anything like an institution. It's a home with eight beautiful children um, that go to church together with their parents, that go to school, receive all the medical and other care that every child deserves, and it's happy and it's healthy and each one is unique and allowed to grow up as, um, as they were designed to do. Um, we do have one kind of exciting story of a little eight-year-old girl that we received three years ago. Um, she's been with us and after extensive work at the time to locate any family um, that she belonged to, um, we exhausted those resources 
Um, but just a few months ago, we received word that she does have grandparents who are um, capable and able and really willing to receive their granddaughter back home. And this was very exciting because we thought that there was no, um, no family for this little girl. And so just recently, we were able to restore that girl back home in her home village with her grandparents and her cousins. And she is happy, um, she's doing well, she's very happy to be home and within her own culture. So that gives us an opportunity to place one more child in the family home that you support. And I just wanna encourage you as you go into your missions weekend that this home is a home for children who don't have anybody else to care for them. Um, they've come out of situations where they've been trafficked, and or exploited, and so this home makes the difference between them being at risk again or moving on to, to become no longer victims, um, to be happy and healthy restored children um, that, we, that are as precious to God as our own children. So I just wanna encourage you to give and to participate in this. Um, we'd love for you guys to come to Nepal and see it um, firsthand and meet our team that are so fabulous and work so tirelessly. Thank you so much on behalf of all of our team, um, especially our team in Nepal, um, for supporting this project. That's pretty amazing. Uh, these girls are, sometimes they're not just taken from their families, they're promised, uh, the families are promised that the girls are gonna get these well-paying jobs and an education to be taken care of. And so they go off and they instead are exploited and trafficked. Um, other times the parents, the families know what's going on and sell the girls anyway. And so for those girls who don't have a family to go back to, these homes, this home is amazing. I was struck by how it really is. Like, even if they brought them out of trafficking, if there's nowhere to go, what next? These are children. And instead of, okay, well, good luck, it's a home. And we're paying for this family. We're providing a mother and a father for these kids who don't have it. The fatherless are so close to the heart of God. Uh, Isaiah says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. I want you to notice two words here, fatherless and widow. Those two are so important because in this context, in biblical times, uh, it's a patriarchal culture. And so what's missing from those two groups is a dad, is a male lead. And the men owned everything. Uh, wives, children, slaves were all property of men. And so if your male lead of your home disappeared or died, you really were defenseless. And so God is saying, hey, these are the most marginalized groups. And in our culture, it's not exactly the same. But he's saying to us, the most vulnerable group in your day and age, whether it's still the fatherless and the widow, or it's the foster child, or it's the woman who can't get back on her feet after having years and years of addiction. Whoever those most vulnerable groups are, that's who you should be paying attention to. Our next video talks about a different vulnerable group. It talks about the work we're doing with uh, Child Hope in Costa Rica and Nicaragua. So let's watch those. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of going to Costa Rica. I was able to meet with Mary Mann, who's the executive director of Child Hope. And let me tell you what an amazing experience it is. It wasn't the experience of going to Costa Rica, it was the experience of meeting all the children that she works with. 
My heart was truly touched. I was able to go with my son, Corbin, and we got to meet all of the kids in their Chicos and Chicas program. And in this program, it's an after-school program where fifth and sixth grader boys and girls go to their programs. And what I love most is there's two things that they're teaching them. One is, of course, the love of Jesus. And the other is empowerment how they're empowering these young kids to make good choices, empowering them to kind of survive and thrive some of the rough neighborhoods that they live in. But it was just an amazing time to be able to meet all the kids, just to hug, hug them all. And, and so I'm going to introduce you now to Mary Mann and also to uh, Levis Hernandez, uh, two of our missionaries. The other one is in Nicaragua. And so you're gonna hear from both of them and the amazing work that they're doing. Hey, Newbreak, I just want to thank you so much for believing many years ago in what was merely a vision that was Chicas de Promesa and now Chico's Champions for Change. I don't know if you realize, but Newbreak Church gave me the first chunk of money to be able to put this dream into action. And it was because I had that money in an account that my boss gave me the go-ahead to move forward. And what we've seen now is this wonderful ministry, Chicas de Promesa, that's a girls' empowerment club. We help empower girls to be able to face the challenges that they have, having been born into poor communities in Latin America and the Caribbean, and we help them to just imagine a different future for their lives. The Chico's Champions for Change is making a difference in the lives of young men in these poverty communities. We're helping them to become champions to bring about change with the power of the Holy Spirit in their neighborhoods. And right now we have five other communities where we have Child Hope Schools and we want to start the Chico's and Chica's program. But we don't want to merely stop in Costa Rica. Child Hope works in 21 countries throughout Latin America and in about 300 schools and we would love to see these ministries also in those communities transforming the lives of literally thousands and thousands of children throughout the region. And you can help change the lives of children like a little boy named Alex. He came to the Child Hope School in Caracas, Venezuela many years ago. He lived in a community that was filled with poverty and violence. And yet God placed in his heart the desire to succeed and to become a medical doctor. And I am just so happy to say today he is a doctor and he's serving the people in his own community. In today's Venezuela, he is there serving others and helping the needs of these people that are suffering so much right now. And you can be a part of it. And I would just ask you to partner with us and help transform the lives of these children. Just like Newbreak helped years ago to get this ministry launched, you can help carry us through to the future and reach many, many more children throughout Latin America and the Caribbean. the Hernandez family here in Nicaragua. Hello, amazing people of New Break Church. We thank you so much for standing with us, for supporting us, and for being a part of our ministry here. We are the country coordinators with the organization of Child Hope, formerly called Latin American Child Care, with 23 schools that we're helping here. But now we're also working in a clinic that you guys have been helping us with. And we are so very grateful for all that God is doing and for allowing you guys to be a part of that. We've seen people come being carried by hammock, like four people from a nearby town that they walked three hours carrying somebody on a hammock to our clinic. And he knew that he wasn't going to be able to make it um, walking by himself. So the brethren helped with um, bringing him by hammock and he was able to see our doctor and to get the 
the lab tests and results within a day gave him his medicine and he was able to begin uh, to take that trek home by himself but if our clinic wasn't there he'd have to come to the clinic take that time see our doctor and then go up three to four hours in this big uncomfortable truck go up to the main city stand in line wait to have your test done wait the next day to get your results come back down and then see the doctor again and so the fact that we have a lab now on site um, we are able to diagnose our patients very quickly and it's just meeting a, an amazing need and we're just so thankful that you guys are on this journey with us and we thank you and invite you to continue to join us the head department says you guys come here this is a very malaria pandemic area i said we can go wherever god sent us to bring the good good of jesus christ and we say we want to make a different people's life we want to impact with the good news of jesus and thank you for believing in us thank you for believing being with us right here in nicaragua praying for us and, and making a huge difference Dios los bendiga. Thank you guys so much. We love you. How cool are those things? Those are pretty amazing. By the way, did you notice she used the word brethren? Right? Try to slip that in somewhere this week. The brethren carried the guy on the hammock. I love... So often with, with sermons that are about giving and missions, you can feel like, oh, they're just asking for money. What I love about Kingdom Builders, I like to see what's being done. I want to know, oh, I really love that lab, medical lab idea. I want to be a part of that. I have a heart for girls who are exploited or trafficked. I want to be a part of that. With the, uh, the medical thing, we've been as a family on a medical journey for almost a year now. Uh, my daughter was diagnosed. We went in originally for uh, what we thought were growing pains. And so they took the, the x-ray and they said, yeah, she definitely has that, but there's this shadow. Uh, so we're going to send you for an MRI. So they sent her for an MRI and it came back and she's a soccer player. Uh, and it came back that the cartilage was separating from the bone and it was interrupting the blood flow. And so the bone was dying. The big bone here was dying. And um, we would have never, there's no pain associated with that. We would have never, if she hadn't had the growing pains, gone in to get it checked out what would have happened is in a couple years that bone would die and chunk off into her knee and so we're like oh my gosh this is right the silver lining of a non-silver situation and so we went on this journey she had a huge brace on her leg for eight months she just got it off three weeks ago uh yay that is worth yeah for sure she got it off three weeks ago um but we would go in every six weeks for another x-ray. And is it healing? Do we need surgery? What do we need to do? And so we were always at the doctor. We were always at the orthopedic surgeon checking in. And so when I watch videos and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they, <laughs> they would have to go and then get transported up to have any sort of lab or uh, test to get the diagnosis to then come back, we can be doing something about that. We can be bringing better medical care to them by supporting this mission. I think about this a lot in that we are so, so, so very blessed in the country we live in, right? And even if we have hard times and even if we feel like it's hard to make the rent or the mortgage, like 
there's just, there's no comparison at all. And we're all going to be up in heaven together. All of us, these great children, all the people we've seen, all of us are going to be in heaven together. And I envision Jesus saying to me, what did you do with your blessing? Right? Oh, good. So you went to soccer practice and you, you got your kids a good education and you just kept, you know, you're a little insular, you took care of it here. But what did you do with the blessing? Like, there is no reason that my daughter deserves to have that good of health care any more than any single kid in that video deserves to have that good of health care. She doesn't. She was blessed to be born here. We are blessed to have jobs that have health insurance. That's our blessing. What are we going to do with it? Right? That's, I think, the question for all of us today. Just like Mark Batterson said, we are so blessed by God, not because of anything we've done, not because we've earned it or deserved it in a different way than anybody else, but we can do something with it. So how do we take that vertical love and make it horizontal? How do we change the world around us? We are God's method of putting the world back together. God never desired the broken, messy, sinful, fallen world that we live in. Right? He created paradise. It was man in free will who decided to make decisions that ushered sin into the world. And as a result of that, we have decay, we have decline. If you're in relationship with anybody at all, you've been hurt before by another person. You've experienced pain and suffering and loss. And so that is our reality. And yet he continues to love us. He continues to give us hope. He continues to tell us it's going to get better. And he continues to bless us so that we can change the world around us. So Robert's going to talk to us again about this. So I hope you were inspired by today's message and by the stories that you were able to hear today. I know I was, and I'm just telling you that there is so much that we get to do here at Newbreak through Kingdom Builders. Now, if you're new to Newbreak, Kingdom Builders is simply the way we see building God's kingdom here on earth, as Jesus said, as it is in heaven. And so I hope you were inspired, but here's the part that I need you to play. And that is, I want to challenge you now to give, to be a part of Kingdom Builders through generosity, through our giving. And so that may look different for you. It may look different for other people, but what is your part? That's the part I want you to kind of have a conversation with God. And maybe if you're married with your spouse, what is your part? Now, some of you maybe have never given to Kingdom Builders, and so that might be just kind of dipping your toe in and getting started. And so maybe that looks like five bucks a week or $25 a month. And that's great, it's a great place to start. For some of you, maybe it's matching your Starbucks budget. Whatever it is you spend monthly on Starbucks, that you would match that and give that same amount to Kingdom Builders. Some of you have started this journey, and so maybe for you, you're kind of already doing that. So what about your cable and internet bill? Matching what normally you pay to cable and internet, you pay that dollar amount to Kingdom Builders as a monthly pledge. Now, for some of you, I would encourage you that maybe you're doing that already, so what's the next step for you on your generosity journey? Maybe it's matching your car payment, or even going another step further, your mortgage or rent payment. What you pay monthly, you would then give that same amount to Kingdom Builders. Well, that's the journey that Lisa and I are on. 
We want to get through 2020 to the place where what we give above and beyond our tithes, which is 10% that we give to the local church, above and beyond that, we want to match our mortgage, our monthly mortgage uh, payment, and give that same amount to Kingdom Builders. Now, wherever you're starting, for me, it's, it's what I want to encourage you is start. Begin the journey somewhere. And so we have these cards that are on your chair and I want you to take this card and look at it. And some of you are prepared to give. We're gonna receive an offering in just a minute at our campuses. And uh, you can do it that way. You can write a check and put it in the offering plate as it comes by. If you're not prepared to give today, that's why we created these cards. I want you to take this home. And on it shows the goal that we have, 120,000 that we wanna raise between now and the end of the year and to do some of these great projects. And by the way, it's not just some of the great projects we have now. There are so many other projects that we feel God has called us to. So it doesn't just stop here. We have a bunch of other things that if we don't give, they won't happen. And so I want you to take this card home and on it, we'll, it talks about the four different uh, kind of projects that we're doing right now that uh, we wanted you to pray about. Uh, we talked about them a few weeks ago and then two of them today. But the goal of this card is for you to take it home as you leave the church that you're at, whatever campus you're at, that you go home and you pray about it. You take this card and you look at it. And then log online because there's different ways you can give. You can bring your offering next week and put it in, you know, as a check, or you can go online and create an account, whatever that looks like for you. But this is meant to remind you, because if you're like me, I get busy, I go home, I forget. And so I want you to be able to do that. But my prayer is that you don't leave this weekend and go, that was a great story, and then forget. Ask God, what would he have you do? And let's together build the kingdom of God. God bless you. So does everyone have one of these? They are all on your chair? Okay, so turn it over. Where there it says, let's finish strong. And it talks about the different kingdom builders things that we support. And it's the clean drinking water. You've all heard Pastor Daryl talk about uh, in Fiji and Liberia with give clean water. There's the translation of the Bible so that people can understand the word of God in their own language. And then these last two are the two we talked about today. That first one is the Daughter Project, Sex Trafficked Children and Women in Nepal, and then Empowering and Educating Impoverished Children in Latin America and the Caribbean through Child Hope. So some of you came in today knowing, today's Kingdom Builders, I am ready to go. I'm impressed. <laughs> that is fantastic. You're ready to give your offering today. Others of you didn't know today was Kingdom Builders, or it just, you haven't had a conversation with your partner, your spouse, whoever you need to check in with, and so that needs to happen still. You still need to be praying about it. What Pastor Robert said about matching his mortgage, I was floored when I heard that. I thought, oh my, that's, wow. Then I thought, could we do that? Is that even possible? But that's right here, right? Let's start with, what does God need me to do today? How can I help be the hands and feet of Jesus today? And so if you need to pray about it and you need to bring your offering next week, that's fine. Or like Pastor Robert said, you can go online and do it that way. And so I want to just call the ushers and the band up. I bet they're hiding somewhere. Yeah, yay. <laughs> and so I'm going to pray um, as we return the tithe and receive our offerings. I'm going to pray that no matter what it looks like for each one of us, that none of us would be the same and feel like, yeah, God's just blessing me. I'm so thankful. 
but that we would know God's just blessing me. I'm so thankful. How am I going to be a blessing to other people? And so pray with me. Lord, we are so thankful for everything you're doing in our lives. That doesn't mean that our life is without pain and suffering and hurt. Life is hard and it's messy. But Lord God, we know that you are always loving us more than we could ever ask or imagine. Your love runs so deep and so wide. And so Lord, help us to see all of the ways that you are blessing us. Help us to be grateful for the things you're doing in our lives. Draw us near to you, God, that we would feel your love and be empowered by it to move in this world, to grow your kingdom, to make change for your people. Give us the strength and the desire, Lord, for you are always good and always moving. In your precious name we say, 